Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Well, I'm going to go to Romans 4, but first, just not, not yet, I'm going to read Psalm 111 simply because I want to. <laughs> it's going to be the Amplified Bible. As you know, I've been telling people, you know, like any time you're in a struggle or going through trials, you, you need to live in the book of Psalms, particularly in the Amplified Bible, because there's nothing there but strength and encouragement. I just want to read Psalm 11, and then I'm going to turn to Romans 4. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will praise and give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the counsel of the upright and in this congregation. You see, the works of the Lord are great, and they're sought out by all those who have delight in them. Honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and full of loving compassion. Man, if you only realize how often that statement is made. Nothing is by accident. Men and women who have been greatly loved by God, greatly used by God, find themselves saying over and over and over and over and over and over again, you are good and your mercy, your loving kindnesses, your steadfast love, it endures forever. You are faithful. Verse five, he has given food and provision to those who reverently and worshipfully fear him because he will remember his covenant forever. Forever had imprinted on his mind. He has declared and shown to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations of Canaan. The works of his hands, this God that we serve, why we're here this morning. The works of his hands are absolute truth and justice, faithful and right. And all his decrees, all of them on his precepts are sure. They're fixed. They're established. They're trustworthy. They stand fast and are established forever and ever and are done in absolute truth and uprightness. That's why I hold fast to this as regards my wife. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant to be forever. Have you ever commanded your own words to be forever? That's something for you to consider later. He has commanded his covenant to be forever. Holy is his name, inspiring all reverence and godly fear. Now listen to verse 10. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill, the preceding and the first essential the prerequisite and the alphabet, a good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all of those who do the will of the Lord. Their praise of him will endure forever. Hallelujah. I just think that's awesome. Turn to Romans 4. As I've said, that like the last time I spoke, everything but everything that I do every waking moment of the day right now I'm doing, I'm just feeding my spirit like I was taught by others years ago and feeding and building up my faith. I do, I don't put anything in front of my eyes that doesn't say God is good. I just don't. I don't let my ears hear anything right now, but that which invokes my awareness of his faithfulness, I just don't. So when I was reading the other day when I was praying, he took me back here. And again, you know, Romans, of course, is, really is my favorite book. Just, you know, because you can teach on it alone forever and find out what's going on. But anyhow, so I'm kind of starting in the middle of the story here. You know, this is where Paul's talking about the faith of Abraham and how Abraham really is the father of all of us who understand the precept of belief as opposed to works, right? But I got to kind of start in the middle of this to go where I'm going to go. We're just going to have a Bible study this morning. So that's the way it is. If you don't like it, God bless you. Deji's going to lock the door, but, you know, ain't nobody getting out. You know, like I said, I haven't been here in a while. So Deji said I get to go two and a half hours. That's what he said the other day. 
Hallelujah. So I'm sorry, Paul's new wife. She didn't know what you were getting baptized into. Now really, well, I'm going to start in verse 11. Romans 4, verse 11, if you can follow with it, back, guys, back there. Now, again, I'm starting kind of in the middle, but he's talking about, well, the verse before that said, you know, did God acknowledge his faith before, after his circumciser before? Verse 11, he received, Abraham, he received the mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence and seal of the righteousness. Now, remember, as we go through this, righteousness means what? It simply means having right standing. You've got right standing with God. He received circumcision as an evidence and seal of the righteousness which he already had by faith because he simply believed while he was still uncircumcised. Faith so that he was to be made the father of all who truly believe though without circumcision and thus who thus have right standing with God imputed to them and credited to their account. Faith is what causes God trust. Years ago when I first came to this nation, people were so anti and against quote unquote the faith message. So God gave me a trick up my sleeve. I started preaching on trust. I called it trust and everybody received it. I just changed the words. It's so funny. Faith, actual trusting, like I'm so trusting God right now on behalf of my wife, is what he looks at and says, that's, that's right with me. That's, thank you, you trust me. You actually trust me. You're saying so with my mouth and you're showing me with your actions. You are right with me. Verse 12, as well as that he be made the father of those circumcised persons who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in this way of trust, which our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. For the promise, everybody say promises, promises, promises. It's all about the promises of God, standing on the promises of God. For the promise to Abraham or his posterity, you do realize that we are heirs of God and joint heirs of Jesus Christ. You are his posterity. That means you're part of the family of Abraham because of faith and belief in Jesus Christ. For the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world, it didn't come through observing the commands of the law. In other words, it didn't come from doing and being right. It did not come from following a list of rules and regulations. Man, if we could actually just hear that, what the gift of God is in Christ. For the promise, the promises to us that we should inherit the world did not come through observing the commands of the law, but it came through the right standing that God sees when we act and live in faith. Trust, when we show trust. Verse 14, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be made the heirs, then guys, faith is made futile and empty of all meaning, and the promise, the promises of God are made void, they're annulled, the promises have no power. So hear what he's saying. The moment you get into any form of works, where you even begin to slightly think you have to do and be and do and be to earn, you're actually making the promise of no effect. It can't work for you because God's way in the spirit, what he's done through his son is he's made it only something called trust in him, faith to bring the justification that we need. All the promises of God are contingent upon something called faith. You can't be good enough to earn it. You can't do enough to earn it. He's trying to communicate that I am gifting you so that you don't have to work by the sweat of your brow anymore, which he's going to say again in a moment here. 
Verse 14, if, I'm going to read it again, if it is the adherence of the law works who are to be made heirs, then faith is made futile and empty of all meaning. And the promises of God are made void and annulled. They don't have any power. For the law, doing and being, always trying to do wrath, results in divine wrath. But where there is no law, this is a very dangerous statement. And I'm not going to go into it now because you need about a, about a solid 90 days of Bible study to really be able to say this to the point that you won't freak out. Seriously, because of what it says, because your mind will go crazy, especially any mind that's been educated and leans to its intellect. Where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. Where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. Doesn't that kind of scare you? See, I know where some of your heads are going right now. Your head will never understand it until your spirit sees it, until your spirit understands why it is the goodness of God that's intended to lead man to change their lives and repent. Verse 16, therefore, whatever promises you may be looking toward, whatever promises you may find, please actually, really actually hear this verse. Inheriting the promise, he says here, but just say any promise. I don't care. Inheriting the promises of God is the outcome of something called faith or trust. And it depends entirely on faith or trust. Why? Because God planned it that way so that it might be given as an act of grace. I said he did all that. He made it this way because he wants the revelation of his love, his kindness, his acceptance of you not based upon anything but your trust in him and Jesus. He wants his gifts to be, his promises to come to pass because we have a revelation of grace. Not because we have anything in us that thinks we can earn it. And it's because we're trained our entire life to pursue or to succeed by what we do. And here God comes and says, I don't care what you do. I just want you to believe. And you go, Okay, therefore, inheriting God's promises are the outcome of faith. They depend entirely on faith or trust in order that it might be given as an act of grace, unearned favor. Why? So it's it might be made stable and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the same kind of faith Abraham showed, who is thus the father of us all. As it is written, what God said to Abraham, I have made you. Now listen to this. God has made you. Before you knew what you were. God has made you. God's never made anything that's bad. There is no such thing as a man or a woman of God that doesn't have, that has the breath of God in them that doesn't have a purpose, a design, a legacy, and a future. You, it's, this will go over some people's heads, but you've got to catch this. There's nobody who's given themselves to Jesus the Bible says he knew you when you were in your mother's womb. He has made you. I, you know, I, when I think of Emmanuel here, you know, like I said, he's a longtime friend. But see, even still now, what we all are, he's still catching up with where he just flows. What's this is easy for me. It's. Not that I try, it's just, it's what's in me. And you learn to recognize what's in you. And when the really good things start to happen is when you actually realize, I can take no credit for anything in me that's good. But I begin to own and recognize 
this, this, is, this is part of God's gift to me. And I'm to bear fruit. So it's not about me eating my own fruit. No tree eats its own fruit. You're giving me something for the benefit of others that I will be around. All these little subtle things that just change everything. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father, and he is our father too. He's not just the father of the Jewish race. He's our father because of our faith in Christ. That's what it will say later. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And here it gives us wonderful description of God. And remember Ephesians 5.1, it says we are to imitate God. Is that right? Is that what it says, Ephesians 5.1? Be therefore imitators of God and follow him as dearly beloved children. God who gives life to the dead, that's part of his job description. I don't care what dead spot is in you, my God gives life to it. When I sit every day by my wife's bed in that hospital... Every single day, I keep this in my spirit, and I look at her, and I say, I don't care what they say could have died or been damaged. My God, right now, the kingdom is in me. The kingdom is right here. The kingdom is by this bed. Bless God in the name of Jesus. You're giving life to anything that's damaged or dead, because I trust in your unfailing love. I trust in your Faithfulness that reaches to the heavens. Everywhere you look, it says your faithfulness reaches to the heavens. David is saying it is beyond the reach of change. God who gives life to the dead and he speaks. But the way he speaks is really different to us. He speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised. Promised. He speaks his promises as if they already exist. He speaks his promises as if they already exist. He speaks his promises as if they already exist. I'm to imitate him. We all know Corinthians says, all anything and everything that you can see, if you can see it, if you can see it, it's temporal. It's subject to change. Because it's a fact, but the truth is unseen, but the truth always outweighs the facts. You've heard me preach it and teach it for years. If you keep applying God's truth to whatever the facts that are momentary there are, the facts will have to change because the truth will never change. God's truth is eternal. But at some point, you get beyond quoting that, and something in you goes, yeah. And you actually become blind circumstances. You become blind. See, Satan's job is to blind the world. The God of this world hath blinded the eyes of people lest they see the glorious light of the gospel. But I'm telling you, once you begin to see the glorious light of this good news that came with Jesus, God blinds your eyes to the circumstance that says no. See, I have no no in me when it comes to my wife. Yeah, it's the battle of my life, but you know what? I've got the God of all life on my side. And see, it's easy to say that and just sound clever and want to get everybody to say amen in a church. But I mean, you come to the place where I don't care if I get any amens from anybody. Life is in me. Life is on me. Life is coming through me because of grace that came to me and belief that came out of me. But that's the way it is for each and every individual who says Jesus Christ is who I believe. God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things, his promises, he, as if they already existed. Verse 18, for Abraham, we've all heard this, but I just feel the Spirit of God's going to breathe afresh. Abraham, you all know the story, 99, 100 years old. Human reason. Everybody say Human. If you only look at life through human eyes, you are so missing it. Deji taught, was it, what was it last week, Deji, about eyes? You did all this stuff about eyes, all the different kind of eyes you can see through. 
Abraham, our model. Human reason. We lean not to our own understanding. We're to acknowledge God in all our ways. We know these verses, but again, it's time that we live them. For Abraham, human reason for hope was gone. It says gone. I don't know, but gone kind of means gone. It's gone. It's not possible in the human realm. It's not possible in the human realm. It's not possible in the human realm. It's gone. But Abraham hoped, joyful expectation of the future, the Greek word elpis, E-L-P-I-S, joyful expectation of something in the future, hope. He hoped in faith. He hoped in his trust. He hoped in whom he trusted. He hoped in faith, okay, that I shall become the father of many nations because he'd been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. And this is a strange thing. He did not weaken in faith when he considered. And this is the point. How we consider things. King James says he considered not. But actually the Greek says he considered but made a choice to not go by what he saw. He considered. See, whatever your promise is, whatever promise you're looking at in Scripture, you get to make a choice. Because I guarantee, I double dog guarantee you, your enemy will come along to bring you evidence circumstances that say, uh-uh, no, not me. They were different, they were special, but it's not, it can't, it won't happen for me. Well, see, you're deceived because God's no respecter of persons. God's no respecter of persons. He did not weaken in faith. So when I look at Julie, do I ever have the opportunity to weaken in faith? Are you kidding me? Sure I do. Most of the day sometimes. But like I said, I've just, I have actually, some people think I'm really pompous. I even had one person told me, you better not say that again. I don't care what anybody else says. I try to say what God says. He has brought me to the point where I actually do bring my thoughts into captivity to the mind of Christ. I have learned how to cast down imaginations. I have learned how to bring every thought into captivity. I have learned to just say, that ain't, that's not from heaven. I mean, it's, I mean, and this is where it's a labor of love. This is where it's the fight of faith because those thoughts come all day long. But slowly but surely they begin to back off because once Satan sees, you know what? I'm in this. I'm in this thing. You know, I've trained. I've been in the book. I've trained. I'm training spiritual exercise. I'm training, I'm, I'm training my spirit. Training my spirit. I just say, no, does that, does that sound like heaven? No, you're out of here. You're out. You're gone. You're gone. You're gone. I won't entertain you for another split second. You're not worth my effort to give you a split. And after a while, Satan kind of goes, you know what? Uh, just leave him alone. But he'll come back, just like remember, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Satan left for a more opportune time. People don't realize that. Satan always come back. Let him come back. Make sure your, your sword is so sharp that the moment you pull it out, the gleam on that sword blows it. He said, whoa, whoa, okay, I'm this guy, I like Paul. Remember the whole seven sons of Siva? They tried to cast out the devils. They said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Remember demons themselves said, you know what? Paul we know and Jesus we know, but chump, we don't know who you are. And they beat the living hell out of him. They did, didn't they? Just whooped them good, man. Because it's what you really know. Not what you make a decision to mentally say, I understand. Forgive me, I've been at this many years. It takes spiritual exercise for spirit muscle to grow. And that comes only when you face pressures head on. You don't run from them. You make the decision, all right, Father, you said you'd never leave me. You'd said you'd never forsake me. 
I've got you on my side. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. You know what, sucker? You're going to be hurt. You're going to be hurt because you don't. I actually know that the name of Jesus Christ scattered every demon in hell when you tried to bind him down there and he dealt you a death blow. He dealt you a paralyzing blow. You're nothing but a paralyzed whatever you are in a wheelchair. All you can do is talk, but you've got no more, no more authority whatsoever. Now you still got some power, but see, I'm the one with the authority because of the blood of Jesus and my faith in my master and my savior. I have it. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, well, man, I'm 100 years old. Ain't no, ain't no 100 year old man going to have a baby. It's ceased. When he, he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered, you know, he looks over at Sarah and goes, Mama, I love you, but you know, you're 90 years old and it's, you know, he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb because it says in Genesis, you know, when he spoke to him, he said she was simply past the age when a woman could conceive. He didn't weaken in faith when he considered. You know how many times I weakened in faith in years gone by when I really didn't understand how to move my vision or my sight from the circumstances and keep them on God's truth. You know, it's embarrassing really when you look at your own life and you look at things and you realize God's never changed. This truth is eternal. It's been here for thousands of years. When am I going to do my part? When, like I think Emmanuel sang about, he did his bit or something. I don't know. I don't like saying it like that, but you know what he means. Jesus, it is, see, you do come right back to the crux of our Christianity. Either Jesus did a finished work or he didn't. Like Andrew Womack, one of his teachings, he says, you already got it. The name of this series is you already got it. It's a finished work. It's already been paid for. You've been redeemed. Jesus Christ, when he went to that cross, God needed justice. God's just and he's faithful. God needed justice for the sin of mankind. No man could live in such a way. It was impossible under the law. No man could live in such a way that man's sin could be redeemed and justified so he sent his only begotten son and when he looked on the cross and he saw him die for us God said okay now this is justice okay justice has been served justice has been served the sin of mankind is now paid now if my people, we're going to read it a bit, will receive this grace. If my people will receive this gift of my grace, my redemptive work that I've done in my son, they will learn to be free, but they're going to have to educate their spirit, not their brain, to what I've done. Verse 20, no unbelief. <laughs> no unbelief or distrust. Now you got to be human here. He, Abraham was a human. If you don't think he had opportunity to faint, you're wrong. So you need to accept that. You know, there are no supermen or superwomen. God didn't use Abraham because he was the perfect example of somebody he could never, ever doubt. No, he had to be like us, just like Jesus had to be like us. They're a type. Abraham's a type of Christ. But it says no unbelief or distrust made him waver. And this is what I'm trying to say. Unbelief and distrust might approach you. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not that it won't approach you. But again, you just say no. I'm telling you, no is an incredibly powerful work of the Spirit. 
you have the ability and the authority to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to read that. I'm not going to think that. I'm just not. And you know what? You'll slip up because you're human. But the issue is you learn to be lightning fast to repent. Okay, I, and then it, t- it takes great faith to believe you're forgiven instantly. I love in Psalms where it says he is ready to forgive. And it's very strong in the Hebrew words. God, our God is ready. He's ready to forgive. If you'll just have enough faith to come to him knowing that he will forgive. Just be honest. You know how stupid it is to think that you can lie to God? Like the old people you say, do you think that when you talk to God about it is when he found out about it? You know what I mean? Honestly. So he, he knows everything, right? He does. He knows everything. He desires truth in the inner man. That's what it says in Proverbs. He desires truth in the inward parts. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. Got to look at my watch now because Deji's got me all messed up. I'm not even going to get to my message. My message is in Romans 5. No unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtingly question. When I look at Julie, I've simply made the decision. I, I'm no. I am not ever going to question your faithfulness. I know that you are love. I know that you love her more than you love me. I know that you love her more than I could ever love her is what I meant to say. You, well, however much depth I feel for my wife, I want to see her come out of there now. You love her even more. So I don't know all the reasons, but I've been with you long enough to say, you know what, I'm not going to get into unbelief and try to figure it out with my finite little brain that I had educated in college. I, this is beyond, this is a thing of the spirit. So what I'm going to do is hold fast to the spirit. Your word is spirit. Your word is spirit. Your word is spirit. Your word, heaven and earth will pass away. Your truth will never pass away. Bless God. I choose the light of your word. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what anyone else says. If I die, I'm going to die in faith, trusting you. You know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to go out saying I believe God. I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was spoken. You spoke and it stood. That's what the scripture says. So that's the way I stand. No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubt any question concerning the promises. See, this is our fight, the fight of faith. Stuff will come. You learn to say no. But he, we, Grow strong. We grow stronger and we become empowered by this trust. How? As we continue to give praise and give God the glory. Thank you, Father. You will be glorified somehow, some way at the end of this matter. You will be glorified because you're faithful. You will be glorified because you're faithful. So my part now is to be full of thanksgiving more than anything else. The power of thanksgiving, the power of giving thanks, because thanks means you actually feel like you've received it. Somebody said here and you said, thank you, because that's what you do when somebody puts something. You, it's kind of automatic. Even in flesh, we say thank you. When we say thank you from our spirit, it's powerful. But again, it's something you meditate on until you don't just say it glibly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No, you go thank you for this. He was empowered by faith. Rod is empowered by faith as I give praise and glory to God. And Abraham, verse 21, it's, it's what a powerful, why no, man, no wonder God's so, you know. Abraham, it says, was fully, fully, fully. Full means there's not room for anything else. Fully 
satisfied and assured. My God is able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he'd promised. That's in his spirit long before he and Sarah ever come together and have a child. Okay. Um, I, I believe you. I actually believe. And I believe you're mighty to keep your word. Don't, you just don't keep your word. You're mighty to keep your word. In other words, there's some force behind you keeping your word that's beyond my comprehension right now. You are mighty to keep your word and to do what you promised. For God to utter do you understand God Almighty? For God to utter, God creates through words. For God to utter a promise means it is absolute. To promises, though, we all know the scriptures. You must, Hebrews, however, they did not receive it because they did not mix faith. They didn't mix faith. They didn't mix faith faith with the promise. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and do what he had promised. That is why his faith was credited. Now, you know, I'd teach on righteousness the rest of my life because every, and every people would get blessed if they had their ears open still and my ears would still get blessed. Right standing, right standing Faith is what causes, it's like, a, you know, it's the terminology of bank account. You, if tomorrow I had your bank details and I went and I deposited one million pounds tax-free in your account, it's the possibility was that you might say thank you. It might even change the way you look at your day. It really might. It would change mine. Right? I, but see, we don't... This is where the issue is, how much do we value, how much worth do we put on the word of God compared to the worth we may give to the word of a doctor? Doesn't mean that you're being disrespectful, doesn't mean anything else, or what your bill collectors might, whatever. This is why we are called to be mighty men and women of God. Mighty. There's no weakness in God. I said, there is no weakness in God. Well, Christ is in you. The fullness, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians says, is in you. I've got to tell you something. If the fullness of the Godhead being in us can't put us over in life, something's wrong. But that's how powerful unbelief is and distrust. We all know the verse. The Son of God himself standing in the midst of people. The Son of God. God in the flesh, it says. God in the flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God in the flesh stands before you. But God, God cannot do any mighty works because of the unbelief of the people around them. People always say, I don't know why more things don't happen in the spirit. This is because this world is baptized and dipped and saturated with unbelief. This is why if you can get a core group of people who actually believe God, it releases an atmosphere of the spirit that's pregnant with miraculous possibilities. And that's our goal, you see. Not for just Deji to come one Sunday real powerful or Emmanuel or me or Abby or David or whosoever. It's everybody is called to exercise their spirit towards knowing him, not about him. Knowing Jesus uh, you know, how many times have I shared this with you? You know, when I was writing curriculum for Bible schools and all that stuff, 
And like I said, I pushed back one day. I'd, say, I'd be literally in the, I'm going to go quickly because I know you've heard it so many times. I'd be in the, you know, I'm in the Bible eight hours a day. I mean, literally eight hours a day, sometimes much more, just because I'm writing curriculum for Bible schools. I'm in the Bible, I'm in the Bible, I'm in the Bible. And I see how this puts together. The gift of teacher was put in me. And like I said, I had to own that it was gifts. It's not me, it's not me, it's not me, but it was a gift that went in me. And so with the gift came the ability to remember scripture and see things and see how things fit together. And that one day, like I said, I suddenly put my chair back and I went, oh my gosh. I know so much scripture. I know so much. I mean, I have applied myself. I've studied. I've given myself to the book. But I had been so long writing curriculum from the book that I hadn't really spent time in the book for me. And I realized at that moment, like I've told you before, I know so much Bible, but I don't know Jesus. And it hurt. It hurt so deep. There's no words that I can find. And from that day, my pursuit changed. My comprehension changed. My understanding changed. It's, uh, you know, this is the work that you believe. You search the scriptures because you think and search in them, you're going to find out about eternal life. But dudes, you're missing the whole purpose. The scriptures talk about me. I want you to know me. Paul, that I might know you. That I might know you. Not scriptures. You. That's what happens in real worship and in real churches. We, you better find a church that talks about Jesus. Fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word, to do what he promised. That is why his faith was credited. Your faith allows right standing with God to be deposited into your spiritual account. God knows it's not your behavior. God knows it isn't any of your works. God sees that you believed. And he goes, okay. And he goes to your spiritual bank and he deposits righteousness in you. His righteousness. That's one of the number one things the Bible says you need to awake unto righteousness and sin not for you lack the sense of the presence of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Most of the body of Christ has not actually awoken to the fact, the truth. They are right with God now because of the work of Christ. If you actually awake to it, sin will lose its attraction. Sin shall not have dominion over you anymore. Sin will not have dominion. I'm right with God. Sin, you can't harass me anymore. One of the verses one in the Amplified Bible, one of the statements that I found out so much in the, reading the Psalms these last three or four weeks, he will give me inflexibility to temptation. I never really thought about that statement before, but suddenly I started, yeah, Lord, Amen. I'm going to, I claim that. I thank you that you've given me the strength to be inflexible to any temptation. And by, for me, those temptations, I'm thinking about like doubting you when it comes to my wife's healing. Thank you that I have inflexibility to temptation. I will not flex. Hallelujah. No, I'm strong in you. And only because it's in you. That is why his faith was credited to him as righteousness to God. But the words it was credited to him were written not for his sake alone. Somebody say hallelujah. But they were written for our sakes too. This righteousness, this standing acceptable to God is granted, credited to us also who believe. If we will trust, if we will adhere and actually rely on this God who raised this Jesus from the dead. And, uh, you know, I seriously was going to go in Romans 5, but I'm going to stop because I don't have any time. I don't want to go there because I don't want to short circuit it. But listen to what it says. Let's, let's let this be strong in your memory. Read verse 24 again. But they were written for our sakes too. Hallelujah for that. See, this is what we now need to accept. We need to receive this in our spirit, really. 
we have, we are sons and daughters of God, but we also participate in the faith of Abraham when we do our best to try to emulate him. Remember, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We were not redeemed from the blessings. The blessings of Abraham are ours. But we need to mix faith with it. But they were written for our sakes too. Righteousness, right standing, acceptable to God, will and is granted and credited to any of us who believe, who trust in Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus, who raised and trust on God, who raised our Jesus from the dead. Who, Jesus, who was betrayed and he was put to death because of our misdeeds. He was raised to secure our justification, our acquittal. See, like I said, sadly, I've got that ugly blood and guts testimony, having been in court, been sentenced to prison a few times. I know what the word acquittal means. <laughs> I never had one, but I know, <laughs> I know what it means. Jesus was betrayed and put to death because of you and I. Just, just that simple. But he was raised to secure yours and my justification, our acquittal. He made our account balance. And he absolved us from all guilt before God. One day I'll teach on guilt again. He absolved us from all guilt. See, the revelation of righteousness that's not yours, your righteousness is as filthy rags. But the revelation of his righteousness in me because of his behavior, not anything to do with my behavior. You quit walking in guilt. Listen, some of the stuff that happened to me in my life prior to Christ, you know, the stuff I was involved in, horrible violence, stuff that I will never even utter. Um, to actually, it's like Paul, you know, Paul hailed people into prison. You know, he actually had people killed, right? And then you almost think you find him in a lie in 2 Corinthians 2. He says, I have wronged no man. And you think, how can you say that, dude? You had people murdered. But think, something so happened to him that he was able to say, I've never wronged any man. His past was past. He was a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I said on Wednesday night, Teen Challenge, when I first went there, they used to have a, the, the Teen Challenge always has a choir and churches always have the choirs come so they can see a bunch of dope addicts or ex-dope addicts, you know what I mean? So they can go, oh, look at the poor guys, you know, something like that. But before this one chaplain came that became my first spiritual father, it was called the Ex-Addict Choir. Well, that's just identification with the wrong subset, you know what I mean? Here comes the ex-addict choir from Teen Challenge. Yes, give them a hand, everybody. And so all these ex-addicts. No, no, no. Yeah, I, yeah. And so Eddie changes it to the new creation choir. And it's just that simple. I am not an ex-addict. I am a new creation. Oh, there's a difference. I, you know, I had, that's why I'm not anointed to actually give my testimony in its fullness. I used to have so many people say, you need to write a book about this. We need to do a video on this, all this kind of stuff because of some of the stupid stuff that I did let out years and years ago about some of the stuff. And, uh, but there comes a point when you realize that guy is actually dead. He, he's gone. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. He absolved me from guilt. That is not an easy thing to do. But it's available to whosoever will. Father, in the name of Jesus, that's as far as I can go this morning. I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory because you have shown me more than ever before. I can trust you. You are faithful. You are not a man that you should lie. It's impossible for you to ever be shown to be false. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible for you to ever be shown as false. It's impossible. You are truth. 
you are truth. Father, you said in Deuteronomy 30, I've called heaven and earth, I've called heaven and earth to record this day before you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Please choose life so that you and your seed and your children can live. Father, you've always said the choice is ours. You'll never force us. You just simply offer us a choice. I choose to believe God. I say along with Paul, I believe God that it shall be even as it was written. I believe God that it shall be even as it was spoken. I believe God. What are you gonna do about it? I believe God. What the doctor say? I believe God. I've made my choice. I thank you, Father, for our beautiful people here. I thank you that you helped them to simply, even as Deji said through communion, examine ourselves whether or not we are actually in this thing called actual trust. And Father, let there be no condemnation upon anyone. Of course not. Just thank you that you love us so much. You're patient with us. You just help us to make the adjustments when we find and there are so many areas, but we just suddenly find an area where, oh, well, that's, 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 not, what, that's not the Father's will. And, and help us just to have the moral courage to just make the correction and make a big deal of it. Just know that you're ready to forgive. You're so ready to love. You're so ready to help. You're so ready. Holy Spirit, you are the helper. You're the comforter. You're the strengthener. You're our counselor. So just help any and all of our people, Father to make big steps forward in their faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name, I pray this, and I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 